Uh, morning, fellas. Good morning, and since Chris Hall is muted, I'll go ahead and uh, <laughs> welcome to the Gucci Mandalorian After Show Season 1. No, I'm season, sorry, two. season 2. Episode 1, a.k.a. The Marshal. Um, what a terrible episode. Yeah. Just, John Favreau was really just, like, sitting on his hands on this one. When will Kathleen right. Kennedy be stopped? This is ridiculous. She needs how to get much, her hands out of the Star Wars. How just, much abuse us fans must take? Just once I love a little bit of fan service. That's it. Just a tiny bit. Just some respect for the book characters. Some respect for anything. You know. Just like yeah. any sort of attention. Like I would really like to feel like a director or like the writers like actually knew what they were doing and like understood the world and the fans and like tried to like Give us a little, like, no, like, you, these guys just shut the bed every episode. Guys, this was fucking amazing. I can't keep doing this anymore. It hurts my heart. <laughs> it's so they, good. They came out swinging with this one. There was so much little bits and pieces that everything was just connected. We're not, we're not at all, like, doing the whole, oh, no spoilers until this time code, right? No. We can talk no. about it. Yeah. If you guys were we're spoiling the whole thing, so if you haven't seen the second, if you haven't seen first episode of season two, go watch it right now and come back. Yeah, why would you click on this if you haven't? I mean, what I'm literally watching it right now too. I'm like, I've got it right. behind. So if I just kind of space out for a little bit, just call me back because it's just the prettiest show. Like it's so well shot, the color use, like the at, like it's just stunning. Also, just the baby is so cute, the child, whatever. I. I was shocked how little of the child we got in this episode. Hey, before, hang on. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, Sean, but before we get carried away, can I mention something? Yes. That happened today? Uh, unfortunately, ahead. this morning, we uh, we all got the news that Sean Connery had passed away. He was 90 years old. And I, I feel like it's important to actually note this on a Star Wars show, because without Sean Connery's contributions to, to culture, the, to film, and particularly his portrayal as James Bond in the 60s, there probably isn't a Star Wars. And if there is a Star Wars, it probably looks more like THX 1138 than it does today. Um, he was the original film superhero where it didn't look like a goofy movie serial, people in costumes, in Halloween costumes. Like, he was the first person. I mean, James Bond franchise is the original geek franchise. They did it first, and they did it great, and they did it before everybody. They did it before Star Trek and Planet of the Apes. They were the first film franchise to have a fan club and to have merchandise and have, you know, every two to three years, you get a new one for, for many years. And they are still here. And, and, and that is amazing. It's, it's not stated enough how amazing it is that James Bond is still here, still relevant, still great. Um, and Sean Connery in particular is what made it work. Without Sean Connery, there's a good chance James Bond doesn't work. In fact, they tried it once. On, it was a made-for-TV movie. But that stylized type of sto fantastical storytelling was not perceived as it is today. And Sean was the guy, Sean's embodiment of James Bond is what made it acceptable, what made it become what it is today and why we're here talking about it. And if you don't, you know, you don't have to believe me, just let's listen to George and Spielberg. They cast him as Indiana Jones's father because Indiana Jones exists because Steven Spielberg wanted to direct a James Bond film. And George Lucas said, let's create our own. So, He's a huge influence. It, it, we can't state it enough, and uh, it's a real shame that he's gone. And uh, I just thought that was relevant, and I just 
wanted to state that up front, and now we can move on to the episode. Okay, wait. I just want to say, um, I didn't know. I thought we were just talking about Connery and uh, because it's early on the West Coast, and I didn't check. So when you were like, he passed away, I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. No. So thanks for that. He, he uh, passed away this morning. Gotta check Twitter, guys. Gotta check Twitter. I literally hopped out of bed, hopped in the shower. My hair is still drying. Like, came in and talked to you guys, like, set this all up. But, okay, well, I mean, I'll have a martini in his honor tonight, guys. Shake and not stirred. Yes. I'm drinking one right now in a coffee mug. Slancha. That's right. But this episode. Star Wars. Yeah. We'll just start from the beginning of the episode and we'll just move through it. So what do you guys think of that the opening scene him on the city looking for more like Mandalorians going to like an underground Gamorrean fight club? <laughs> um I love that wrestling rings still exist um or existed back then because it's you know a long long time ago. Um but I love that that <laughs> I love that we got to watch the uh one of the first uses of a wrestling ring. Uh I also love that the first bad guy what's his name? Uh, Who's there? Oh, I his name. His first name was Gore. Gore something. Sure. Um, it's uh, I had to go back. Be- like I literally repeated that scene like three times because I was like, I know that voice. Why do I know that voice? And sh- big shout out to my old boss, John Leguizamo, who uh, is that guy. And I just text him uh, after I watched it the second time. Fucking A right, the Mandalorian. He goes, yeah, baby. <laughs> He's the best uh, we chatted a little bit about it but he's just like he was he had the best time on set and uh yeah it was great so uh really glad to like now i literally have a one degree separation from me and the star wars universe which is ridiculous um but this whole like i i also love the fact that as he's walking through the town a the pram is open it's a dangerous dark alley that he's walking down and it's he's got the baby all exposed um and then he gets to the door but like every surface is spray painted so there are taggers and there are gangs spray painting all over this town and um good on you for starting the art of uh tagging guys thanks for that um his name gore koresh ah yes Ah. so this guy hunts down and and kills Mandalorians for their armor. Um, well, not anymore. Well, not anymore, but he did. Um, I have a, I have a, a thought. There was, there was two things he said that were significant. He had mentioned that Beskar is becoming more and more um, valuable. Is Mandalore destroyed? It would have to be if they're not producing anymore, right? Well, yeah, I, I, I think all the clues are, all, all the clues I think are there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think Mandalorian survived this, the Civil War. Right? I think they were, I think that's what the Purge was. That was the Night of a Thousand Tears. They, they certainly wiped out the people, I yeah. think. And I, I, it's not crazy that they destroyed the planet. Maybe we yeah, out the I, Death, Maybe yeah. the Death Star destroyed it, and we just don't know. Or it's under, like, tight, tight control. Like, or they killed all of the Mandalorians or, like, kicked all of them out in some way. And then whoever has control of the planet, it's, like, iron grip. No pun intended, I guess. Best card. Last season, Clancy Brown said, if there are such great warriors, why are they all dead? 
Yeah. I mean, that... And they're in hiding for obvious reasons because they don't want to, you know, try yeah. and condemn their numbers. Yeah, and... I mean, and there's so few of them. One, one of them can't find any other one. So... Right. But the, the actual planet itself, I think could be, it could have been destroyed by the Death Star. It's sure. It's starting to look like that to me. Um, just, just something I picked up on, and that was the first thing that kind of sparked in my head when I heard him say that. Uh, but there's one other thing he mentions. Um, when Din is tying him up, he says, I swear by the Gatra. Yeah, I caught that. Yeah, what is that? So... <laughs> That line to me makes no sense in context, um, but the the Gatra in Star Wars is the Droid Gatra, which is a league of ex battle droids and ex assassin droids who have started their own gang. So it's like honor amongst thieves. Well, so that's what I don't understand why he says it. So the droid <laughs> like. Like the droid Gatra is this is a really cool concept. It's this it's this um, you know crime syndicate of ex battle droids and ex assassin droids who are fighting for droid rights. Like, yeah, they're evil, but compared to you know other criminals, are they that evil? Um, I think they show up in the Darth Vader comics, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they also show up in Tarkin, I think. Um, but like. Ultimately, it's, you know, why is he swearing by them? Does he work for the Gatra? Is the, are we going to see more of the droid Gatra? Because that would be really interesting with what we have from Din so far. But, yeah. I mean, just are they also, can they also be bounty hunters the way that Manda, the way that, you know, Din is a Mandalorian and a bounty hunter? Because that I would mean, make a little bit of sense from the first episode, the very first episode with, uh the droid. yeah yeah certainly possible um but i also don't know that it has to be connected um we've gotten have we had a crimson dawn reference in the show no i don't believe so okay all right sorry i derailed that conversation based on that one line so no we... you didn't that's no, all right not at all that's everything. what we're here talking about this speaking is this is my mandalorian's class time so teach me everything you know speaking of uh speaking of derailment i just want to point out there was very obvious watto graffiti on that wall that mm -hmm. uh when i saw my my heart warmed because as everyone knows watto might be the best character in all of star wars so you are just so intriguing, Saul. What? What? Who's better than Watto? Who is better than Watto? I mean, Yoda. I, eh, maybe. 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 Yoda. Yoda is who I aspire to be. Just an old hermit. Well, in the original trilogy, just an old hermit living by himself, not wanting to be bothered, and then just completely sassy as all fuck. That's what I want, and I want to die in my sleep because that sounds great. Well, that's all really upsetting, uh, but. <laughs> Watto to me is sort of an aspirational character. So, and I like that he was very obviously painted on the wall of the, the Fight Club. So, worth noting. I, I like how Baby Yoda is like learning now, like when something's about to go down, and he sits there like, "Oh my God, that yeah. part made Little me thing. laugh." It's so like, yeah, he's like, "Up, oh, it's about to happen. Time to close up." He just, and it was like he moves so slowly normally, and so like. You know, he's just like this waddling little slow old man creature. And then all of a sudden he sees those, what are they, the, the sparrows? 
the the little things on his wrist, the whistling birds. He like sees them light up blue, and he's like, "No, fuck this!" And like, like I'm out. Cool. Um, He's like, I don't need to know who wins the 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 match. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that was a that was an interesting scene. There was a lot of little aliens. There was a nice little constable Zuvio. Yeah, I I don't know what the hell he's doing there, but I suppose he could be (laughs) making his way. Well, it it may not be him. So it's there is an alien exactly like him. So there is an alien that kind of looks like that that shows up in Rogue One. I think he's actually in Mando season one. Um, he shows up in um, Solo, like just in backdrop scenes. So it's clear that they're just reusing a costume for something. But he's shown up in all of the new canon Disney stuff. Um, not Zuvio specifically, but someone with that same little head piece thing. For, for those who don't know what Sean and I are talking about, <laughs> Constable Zuvio is, is a character wow. that did not appear in The Force Awakens. He was cut out. He was the he was the sheriff or a constable in um, on uh, um, Jakku, and his scene was cut out. And there was a lot of scenes like this on Force Awakens in particular, where there's entire characters and there's vehicles and subplots that were cut out, but they were shown to licensees before they were removed. And there was products made about uh, there was cap- the action figures and products mm-hmm. made about centering around things that don't appear in the Force Awakens at all. There's a first order snow speeder that never appears. There's a um, and there's, there's this character, Constable Zubio. He was famously a very expensive action figure that sat on shelves literally for years. I'm not exaggerating. There's a Walgreens ten minutes from my house that still has a Constable Zubio on the shelf. Yes, there he, is. Yeah. <laughs> he was cut out of Force Awakens, and fans either you either kind of think it's hysterical or fans really hate him, and they so it's sort he, of a, it's he's sort a of race a of hairless cat. Sort of. So, uh, Chris, Chris Hall, Chris Hall, uh, uh, I don't know why I'm calling you by your full name. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, Chris Hall, Chris Hall. Hall. Hey, wait till the screen. How do you feel about? How do you feel about this? Um, Chris, pull up the image again. Uh, the um, the alien in question looked less like Zuvio and more like the guys in the back. Hmm. Okay. They had the, the the eye covering and stuff. Um, he is still using the game X-wing. Christ, Justin. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, like there was a really good mix of aliens there. That like, I remember when when uh, um, the Force Awakens came out. That was one thing I was really disappointed about. I didn't feel like the aliens felt diverse enough. Yeah. There wasn't a good mix of old and new, and this had a really 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 strong mix of old and new. Um, but we get, you know, we get Din being Batman with the, you know, right. Just stringing him up and like, grapnel launcher. I'm not going to kill you by my hand. And then just lets these like creatures, do you guys know like what kind of creatures those are or anything? We've not really seen anything like that before, where it's just something that comes out at night and just kills. They are. It was Bobby very suit. pitch blackish. Yeah. Rabid Jawas is what I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Just mutated. Red right eyes. Yeah. Star- starving Jawas. Yeah. God. And then we head back to Tatooine again after he gets the information that there's a Mandalorian on Tatooine at some city. I love I love the greeting, how every person that he basically interacted with in season one how their greeting to him has like completely 180 
because like he lands and she comes out to greet him and she's like where's the kid like hey buddy how you doing <laughs> guys don't stay away you know he doesn't like droids where's the kid and he's like can you watch it she's like hell yeah i can watch this thing it's my favorite baby in the whole galaxy like everybody loves this kid and so in it's like it's like when it, when we when your asshole friend has a kid and you're like okay we can put up with you now like it's fine like just come over we'll play with the kid but like he's just welcome now pretty much everywhere he goes because of this child and i just find it really funny because like before he was like a gunslinger walking into a bar and everyone was like getting their hackles up now he walks into a bar with the kid and everyone's like oh <laughs> where's the baby i um i didn't like amy sedaris in the first what season um, why i don't know she didn't she felt off to me in this she felt perfect like in this it felt like okay this is a familiar character i love her let's have her but i remember her rubbing me the wrong way in season one Did, was she doing something different or is it just that we're seeing her again and that's we're, i think we're just seeing her again because she's still that like hard as nails like she's a woman living on her own in an outpost where like no one comes but like scruffy looking nerf herders you know like she deals with like the scabs of humanity and so she's had to like adapt that personality and so now she has something that like has softened her a little bit and now we really get to like see a personality from her and i i love this i also love like the 1978 perm that they gave her and you can even tell too that he's changed a little bit with the whole droid thing because she was at first like oh like get the droids away from his ship and he's like no it's fine like don't worry about it like i need a whole once over and so it's like you can tell even from like the part last season with the whole ig88 thing that like his view on droids are changing a little bit just from like interacting with the droids well and his that, life was saved by a droid that sacrificed itself right so. and that's why that's one of the reasons i think that if they are rolling the droid gatra into this as something important later that's really interesting like that that dichotomy um there's something we we skipped over the Star episode five. well not yet <laughs> but, but the episode title but we haven't gotten to the guy yet well no but the the episode title comes up before we go to tatooine yeah they he strings the guy up and he says we're going to go to Tatooine or whatever. I'm Din Jaren being all spoopy. Um, How dare you? you? Oscar Isaacs so, is not spoopy. <laughs> What's well, not Oscar Isaac? It's uh, Yeah, that's not who it is. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Sorry. Um, um, I've been watching too many movies lately. When that came up, Saul, did you know where we were going? Did you know who we were seeing? Um, I know when we said when he said we're going to Tatooine. No, when they showed the marshal, I had it. I had it. I had an inkling. Yeah, I, I did too. Just but I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't certain they would. I wasn't sure how much monkeying with the book they would do. Like, would would the Boba Fett be the marshal now in in, in in this version? Or, but yeah, when I saw the marshal, I, I I didn't think anything of it. And then they're going to Tatooine. Then I went, okay, I think this is where they're going. But you never know. And um, I am also not a big guy who's married to canon. That are, that are that's in the novel and in the comic books as much as i enjoy uh, i haven't really the novels aren't doing it for me the comic books are incredible marvel comic books are the are the best thing disney's put into star wars i think in my opinion yeah but like i'm not if they want to change something for a better cinematic experience or television experience uh okay i'm not i'm not a big i'm not a guy who who thinks uh veering away from canon is a huge sin but um 
Yeah, I had an inkling, but I wasn't sure. So you brought – yeah, I saw it, and I squealed like a little girl. Right. Um, I was like ah! – I made a noise. It was not a, it was a very unbe unbecoming noise. Um, R5, the pit droids – the droids of Tatooine are some of my favorite things that exist. Um, but yeah, we get a better shot of R5. Uh, Justin, not quite the same R5. Um, in the prequels, Obi-Wan's astromech was R4P17. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, yeah he's, he, I believe he's the one they built out of his Delta 7. Yeah, the one mm -hmm. Obi-Wan had looked, looked kind of like R2, but it was just a different color. It was, so it was red and brown. gold. Yeah. Um, like yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, um, R4P17 is the one in Attack of the Clones or the one in... Who cares? We're not studying right now. Anyways, <laughs> R5D4, um, the hero of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, without him, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi, all of them would have not been able to go steal the Death Star plans and blow up a Death Star and all that. It's true. Uh, exactly. We can see him again. Did we, all get, awesome. did we all see the markings on the back of him, too? To, just yeah. to everyone's positive, this is, this is the same droid? The big black, the black, like... Yeah. <laughs> the oil stains from where his uh, yeah. motor blew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, um, in a certain point of view... <laughs> not a certain point of view, but a different certain point of view... Um, in a, in a certain point of view, the um, uh, he has a point of view chapter, and he wants he does. We do learn that he willingly blew his own motivator to keep R two and three PO together, <laughs> and that all he wanted was a um, an owner that would that would care for him and and love him. Oh my God, he's me. So now it looks like he has that with. Right. <laughs> I now have a physical. I now I, I have now have an emotional connection to a droid. That's awesome. Don't we? I, I mean, I have an emotional connection to plenty of droids. Well, yes, but now it's like heartstrings attached. Uh, Ryan Kramer in the chat says that John Favreau confirmed that it was mm -hmm. R five D four. Um, yeah. So yeah. Also, yeah, can we comment? As soon as as soon as Mando pulls up to the bar, he like gets off his speeder and like goes inside the bar. It is. The desert outside, and he leaves the kid in a satchel on the side. I'm like, he just Dude. leaves him there. Like. I'm like, like you are nailing this dad thing, but every now and then you just completely so, forget about a child. Just, just for the record, Bill just for the I, record, the kid can move things with his mind. He can protect, he can yeah. protect himself. He has little legs. Just pick him up and put him on the ground. He'll the be ball could have been dangerous. He takes him into wrestling places. All that right, so there's with a plan. I have, I have two comments on that. So the, the first one, I think that it's partly a limitation of the animatronic. Like, if the animatronic that they're using on the bike is part of the bike, right? Like, they're not... It's harder to lift that up and put it down. But the other thing, the in-universe, like, explanation for that, he is teaching the child to fend for himself. We see the same thing in, in episode four of, of season one where he leaves the child outside the bar and the child comes in. It's a repeated thing we're seeing. The child is following him 
following his lead and therefore learning. Um, I, don't I, a, I don't think it's a conscious decision. I think he's just like, eh, I'll just leave this kid out here and go do well, my business. No, but clearly he's, you know, clearly he's he's fine. And maybe it's foreshadowing. Maybe you're right. Maybe we're going to see that come back to, to haunt him. I guess, but in my mind, I'm like, he's a green creature. He is an amphibious creature. He like Yoda lives in a swamp for a reason. Like this kid's gonna dry Yoda's out. Not to the swamp. Yeah, right. Yoda he chose there because of the hideaway on the planet. Because it was a dark up. You don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm actually you here right now. Yoda <laughs> lives in a swamp for a reason. Push right. the first. Yoda lives in a swamp for a reason. The reason for that is that there's a very strong dark side presence in that swamp, which masks his light side aura. Fine. He's not just amphibious, so he's like, oh, let me go to the swamp planet. Fine, but still, don't leave a kid out in the sun. <laughs> at least at least park in the shade. Like, at least do that. The kid's going to get a sunburn. <laughs> So then he goes up to the bartender and he's like, oh, like, hey, have you, there's some Mandalorian around here. And he's like, oh, what does he look like? He looks like me. He's like, oh, the Marshal? He should have just stepped back and been like. And that, by the way, that's the, um, I forget the actor's name. That actor the, who played the bartender, the, the weak way, was on Deadwood. Um, he's a, his name is escaping me and it's driving me nuts. But I thought that was a very cool kind of pairing there. Yeah, they got to pair back together from a. Uh... From that, yeah, I, I really liked him. I liked his character design. Um, I think it's our first kind of fat weak way. You know, if you compare yeah. him to, to Hondo Onaka, you know, it's right. It's, uh, he was a nice. Yeah, he I, hope, was, I hope that's foreshadowing too. By the way, I would love to see. Uh, oh God, if Hondo. If everyone's just gonna keep showing up, we right? Might as well, you know, bring come on, on Hondo, Cad Bane, like bring them all. Yeah. Um. Well, what did you think, Rachel? I mean, because we know you might not know a little that much about Cobb Banth or whatnot. So what did you think when he, he walks right in like this? Like, what were honestly, your first initial thoughts? Honestly, my initial thought was, he's got really skinny hips. Um, <laughs> I was like, that is a skinny-ass Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized that it was like both. I was like, first thought was skinny hips. Second thought was like, that's, that's Boba's, like, that's. Right, and then he walked in. I'm like, yeah, that's Boba Fett's costume. And then, and then he took the helmet off, and I squealed like a little girl on my birthday. I was so excited. I love Timothy Oliphant. He is perfect. Um, I love that he constantly is just cast as like a sheriff. Um, he just has that energy and that, um, uh, and just like that presence. Um, but he did amazing. I was so excited. And I was because of our conversation last week as well um, with the whole like, are we going to see the the armor and where is it going to be? It kind of like leads down that explanation of like starting to be like, OK, well, this is how it happened. Um, so we know we find out that the Jawas were the ones who uh, got the armor uh, from the Sarlacc pit and traded it with this guy. Um, but it was I was really excited because. It's just, it's such a great storytelling point at this junction for the show to bring in and like fill in the gaps that we don't know. Cause I think that this, are there, are they saying that these, that these shows are now like canon? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So oh, they're, these are canon. Yeah. So they're like, <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, so they're like actively trying to answer all of these questions that everybody has had for, you know, what decades now. Um, so I'm excited that they're doing this and they're doing it in such a way that is palatable and understandable for just the everyday fan. Cause if you watch the shows and you watch the movies, you're like, wait, <laughs> I understand this reference. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was in like aftermath. And then like that, the cool thing is like they tie it into the books and like bring it all around. Yeah. Um, so I guess, okay, let's, we're going here now. I guess yes. we've arrived. Let's dive, dive in. <laughs> let's do it. Well, first of all, did you guys see Sam Witwer hiding, yeah. hiding in, in, um, he said that wasn't him. Really? Yeah, so yeah. I saw it on Twitter. Somebody was like, I see you, Sam Witwer, hiding in the background of season two, episode one. He goes, that's not me. Yeah, so I I saw a screen grab of it. And... It looked like him in a wig. Yeah, so it, it definitely looked like him in a wig. The, 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 there was something about it, and I was like... You can't, you can't think of those him. But like the picture was so grainy, he's so far in the background. I don't think they. I think that there's a chance Sam Witwer could be in this, but I don't know that they'd waste him on a, you know, background. Like random well, background. I was just. Girl. I was just going to observe. That's how far he had to go to hide from Alex Damon. He had to go all the way to Tangerine. Yeah. <laughs> then in that case, yes, it was absolutely him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean. So the, the, what, there was one more thing I wanted to point out was was really interesting. I noticed when he's coming into town, all of the buildings were on stilts. And it does two things. Number one, it hints at like, hey, there's a reason they don't want these on the sand. The, you know, the great dragon that we're going to get. But it gave that really nice appearance of the western boardwalk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was really cool. Um, but Cobb Vanth was absolutely fucking perfect. Um, I mean... I, I couldn't think of a better better casting than Timothy Oliphant. Like he was just lawman. in the moment, perfect. He's a great lawman. Yeah, he, he, in this role, he's such I'm an just, he's such an interesting character. He doesn't need the, the armor to be interesting, mm -hmm. which is funny. Boba Fett's a character who many people have criticized as saying he just looks cool. He's not much of a character. Yeah. And then you have Cobb Vanth, who's he doesn't even need. He has Boba Fett's armor. We like him anyway. Like it's kind of an interesting contradiction. Yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a Wyatt Earp with a chest plate at this point. Like he just has that swagger and that stance and that presence of just like being in charge and like not being an asshole about it. But I do I do want to say something about the uh, the stilts. Um, also, the fact I don't know how I don't know what the rainfall statistic in Tatooine is, um, but I have a friend who lives in the desert, and when it rains in the desert, it like storms crazy, and then there's a massive flood because the ground can't absorb the water. So that's a reason why a lot of uh, houses in the desert um, are on stilts, also for airflow to keep it cool. Just the more you know. Huh. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the rainfall on Tatooine, I believe, is zero. Um, yeah, fair enough. That's why, yeah, they literally have to suck air, Farm it. The, they suck water out of the air. That's what the, that's what Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew were doing. They were moisture back. Were, uh, moisture all right, so, so beyond beyond our first meeting of Cobb Vanth, I mean, he looks badass. The the I love that it's Boba's armor. It's the flak jack. It's the the flak vest over you know, Cobb Vance, regular red shirt and 
you know, khaki pants or whatever. Did you actually uh, think? Did you actually think he did look badass? Because I actually thought he looked like a doofus. And I, I thought really it was like I really liked the look. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think he looked that badass. Like I thought it just yeah. looked kind of odd because it was like they're in between the armor plating. It was just like his clothes were popping out. Like he didn't look like. But so, it was, I think I think that's by. But I do think it's by design. I think it's right, by design. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be like because the armor is supposed to be like custom made to fit the right. individual right so it's it very much gave off the whole like i'm a 16 year old boy wearing my dad's suit to yes. prom yes um i'm not quite filling it out like he does a good job of like being you know of like living up to the cree of the mandalorian of like helping and all that stuff but like it, he's not a mandalorian and like you very much get that vis visually while he's standing there just a little bit awkward in the in the uh, the armor yeah, so the the I'm I'm trying to get a good image of it so I can kind of point out what I'm looking at, but like I really liked the that so two things. Um Boba Fett has that red sash, right, that he kind of has hanging back from his shoulder. It was really interesting because I think that Cobb Banth still has that sash, it's just wrapped around as a scarf. So there were there were little subtle cues in Cobb in what Cobb Vanth was wearing that badass might not be the right word. I really liked the look. It was this scrappy, you know, Mandalorian imitator. Um, very much we were talking about like um, he's a sad guy. cosplayer. Is that Named, what you're trying to say? No, but he wasn't a sad cosplayer. I mean, well, the other thing too. We're talking about the armor not fitting him. A lot of people, I see a lot of people saying the armor not fitting him. I think the armor as it stands on Cobb Vanth is too small for Boba. Boba has a slightly larger frame than Cobb. Yeah, Cobb is lanky. Yeah. So, so I don't so it know. Looks, that... It looks weird. It doesn't look. I, I thought it was an interesting choice that it didn't look. They didn't try to make him look super cool. I just thought it was cool that, like, oh, he kind of looks ridiculous. Like yeah, and I thought I thought to an extent that's what to me made him look cool. You know. Well, so. I mean, if wait, pull that picture back up again, because if you look at it, the size of the armor is actually the same. It just looks bigger because it's like having something down the middle of you is going to look different on a bigger, stockier guy than it is on a skinnier dude like Cobb. So, like. The fact that there's so much of his side showing uh, for Boba, like it, it looks like exactly like the same armor. It just well, looks like so it fits him differently. Yeah. The, actually, go ahead and pull it up again, Chris. <laughs> um, all right. So, as someone who's gone into the sizing of Mandalorian armor a bit too heavily, <laughs> the armor is correct. The sizing on the armor for Cobb is correct. The placement of the plates, the where that so you have the you have the four plates that make up a chest piece. Ultimately, there's five plates, but one of them is obscured by the scarf. You've got the left and right um, chest plate. You've got the center diamond, and then you've got the belly plate. So the big difference here is that Boba Fett. If you look at where that ammo belt is, that ammo belt goes in place of where Cobb has that big open space on his belly. So that it is sized correctly. That's what kind of sticks out to me is that armor would not fit Jeremy Bullock or 
let alone Tamura Morrison. It won't fucking fit Tamora Morrison if you fucking squeezed him into it. Um, <laughs> Tamora Morrison is a big, stocky man. Keep uh, talking. He's a he's a big, stocky man with a one of the scars across his face. He's bald now. Amazing. Carried I do, I do want to Nick. point out though that the uh, the cape thing uh, in that shot was green when the scarf that he had wrapped around his throat was. I red. think I think the e right. the Empire. Well, let me see. I think in Empire it's a red sash. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be in wrong. Je in Jedi, it's, it's it's like it's like a military green in Jedi. Yeah. Um. I know he's got. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. I mean, that could just be something that he added to. Like yeah, it was well, something that like it was tattered and whatever, and it got replaced with red. Who knows? And it matches right. his under. It match does match his undershirt too. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to color coordinate in the desert when nobody can see you. So then, like um, there, because he sits down, because he sits down and just takes off the helmet. So then immediately, Den's just like, okay, he's not a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. He's just yeah. he just took that armor. Like, what the what the hell's going on? And then they have like a, a kind of standoff. Like I'm about to shoot you, and then. And then the, we get that crate. The crate dragon comes in. They team up to take it down. So, what do you guys think about the whole the whole team up? Like, I'm gonna help you because it, it definitely. I think it's definitely showed that he's changed because he's willing to you know work more. Yeah, you know, we saw him all last season working with people and teaming up to get a certain goals. But I feel like the, it's if it was like the beginning of last season, he would have just been like, all right, just give me the armor. Like, I'm not gonna yeah. sit here. I I really like. I really like that character development, and I think the two of them, you can see over the course of the episode, they really build a great rapport together, and they really they really get to a point where they work incredibly well together, um, which I, I have some thoughts on that that we'll talk about during wrap-up and predictions, but um, I loved it. And the fact that we're seeing a fucking crate Dragon, like something that we've only ever seen in Legends... We've seen a skeleton of one once, you know, which, which must have been a baby one, right? <laughs> or, or at a distance, because I don't know that we have a good scale for how big it was, but yeah, this thing was definitely bigger than that one. Well, I mean, uh, when when they team up with, uh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but like when they team up with uh, the Sand People, Tuscan Raiders. Really Thank you, uh, Tuscan yeah, Raiders, and, uh, and they and they use blurs around here. I'm trying not to. I, I don't know the words. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm about to leave. You're I'm don't show. Don't call not using it. Hate. Let me continue. Saul <laughs> would never let you speak ill of any alien species. In oh yeah, of course I mean, not. Never grab them by the neck and throttle them. It's I fine. still haven't done my list. <laughs> but the Tuscan Raiders, when they're when they're all teaming up to like try and figure out how to take down this this dragon, uh, literally has a tiny skeleton that they're using, and they're like, "That's not to scale. That's to scale." But like, it's it's like this big, when that's not even the size of like one of its teeth. So like, and also it just uh, maybe it's just the fact that my best friend loves Sharknado. But honestly, when it peeked its nose up through the sand to eat the bantha i was like is that a fucking sand shark because mm -hmm. it has the nose and i was like it's a, it's a it's a shark dragon this is the best thing in the world if it has wings i'm sold i want one of my own um but i love their team up i love i love how they're just like 
cruising through the desert on their on their rides just telling the story of how he got the armor and it's very like butch cassidy and sundance kid where they're just riding off their motorcycles through the desert and i was like that is such a perfect image also i don't know how easy it would be to hear somebody um while they're cruising together like that <laughs> right that's it just brought up that scene in shazam where he's like i can't hear you you're a mile away you could just they made it um, seem like he could hear him so clearly but i mean yeah i did i did notice that but i i i've been on a motorcycle talking to somebody on another motorcycle you can you can do it i think it, they're going it, a little bit faster than him yeah i know that it was it, i did note i did notice but i'm I'm trying to help Fabro out. I know so, I'm suspending. I'm suspending belief, but like it was still one of those like, wait, no. So before moments. we get before we get too far from talking about the the um, mentioning the bones of the crate dragon, Saul, you're right. The scale is way off. Mm -hmm. I mean, holy shit, that scale is wrong. Yeah, maybe there's it was a baby right there, and <laughs> maybe it was going through puberty. You don't know. I, I'm going with yeah. I'm going with it's a baby. That's a baby. Yeah. That was probably that was probably murdered for its pearls. Well, a baby wouldn't have a pearl. Would it though? Well, no, these, a... these idiot Tuscans don't know no better. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to get biological, but you know, women are born with all the eggs they're gonna ever need in their life. So why aren't they? Well, a, a crate a, a, a crate dragon pearl is created from sand getting in their digestive system, and then. So they're shark dragon oysters? Yeah. Cool. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's I'm a very sure. weird combination. We're not, I guess we're going to get there later, but the that that uh the crate dragon pearl could have enormous significance in the story coming forward or it could just be a nice aside if you played uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. I'm just really glad to find out that it was a pearl and not an egg cuz I was like what the fuck are you doing guys? Like no. You don't get to raise yeah. it as a pet. You're not me. Um, um Okay, so the 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 speeder, the pod racer, swoop bike. Do you guys oh, think? His, yeah, his speed racer. Do I don't. Think that was Anakin's? Everybody no. keeps saying that's like Anakin's thing. And the paint, the, the paint is not quite right, but it, it does the, it does it does kind of resemble it though. Yes, I think the uh, the the manifolds like the manifold intake on the front is similar, but the the actual yellow fins are the wrong size. I think. Um, <laughs> I think it's just one of them, just from a speed speed like pod, a similar a similar right. model. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Anakin claims he beat he built C three. Uh, Anakin claims he beat C three PO. Anakin claims he <laughs> built C three PO. He didn't. It was a model kit. The same thing with his fucking pod racer. Like, <laughs> but you know, it's a little he shit. Went and got, he went and said like, "Oh, hey, here's some parts from an from an engine. Here's some parts from an engine." It's not the same. And I'm actually pulling up the Anakin pod racer right now, and there's a lot less similarities than than you would think. Um, the fins are the wrong size, even the intake's the wrong size. Um, yeah, it doesn't I, 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 I checked it out too. It, it, it's very similar, but it's a nice nod, but it's not yeah. it's not the same. It's not Anakin's fucking pod racer. So it's a no. Cool. It's a no. But it's yeah. cool that he is using a repurposed pod racer engine as a swoop bike. Because they would right. be all over. They would be all over. It's still a, it's it's still a nod. Where there is pod racing. Yeah. 
Um, but I do, so got, I do like the story of how he got the uh, the armor and with the crystals and stealing that from the guy oh, from the the, the miner uh, union uh, and ran off into the desert and survived for God knows how long with no food or water. Got picked up like a stray and uh, yeah, and now he's like looking around their their uh, their hovel on wheels of their their hoarded collection. And all of a sudden, underneath this light, ah, is the suit. Just right on their workbench, like, oh, I want that. <laughs> uh, You're like, oh, what was the first thing they offered him? And he's like, no. So, two things. Number one, why don't we have a better name for Tus Tuscan Mastiffs? They're just called Tuscan Mastiffs. I need a better name. Come on. Second, where the fuck did, did, did Din learn Tuscan? That's you true. don't know his wife. He seems like the only person that we've seen in all of Star Wars to communicate that with them and like be friendly with them. But and that tells you yes. so much about him as a person. Well, yeah, that's Rachel's correct. And also, I, I'm glad this kind of got brought up. Some people are harping on the fact that we saw Tatooine last season, and I got to imagine they're going to come out and be like, "Oh, we're back at Tatooine season two. This is a character who deals with low lives and criminals. He hunts criminals and low lives. Tatooine is a wretched hive of scum and villainy, most highs in particular. <laughs> he would go to places like this all the time. It's like in Boardwalk Empire, where every famous gangster you know from the 20s all ended up in Little Atlantic City, New Jersey. Like, it's mm -hmm. the same thing. Like, you would, you, would, you would know Tatooine. You would probably have maybe worked for the Huts or worked for somebody who worked for the Huts. So, so it's not crazy that he's been to the deserts hunting people down before, so he would know these Tuscan people, maybe dated a Tuscan chick, who knows, and um, we know he likes Twi'Lex, maybe he's really, you know, he's very progressive in this realm, so yeah, he's picking up the language, that doesn't seem crazy to me, also harkens back to the old westerns, where the old um, the old cowboy scout, you know, knew, knew the language of the Native Americans in the area, so, but that was a nice touch. Yeah, it very much had the, the uh, cowboys and I'm just gonna say cowboys and cowboys Indian. and Indians. Yeah, cowboys yeah, and Indians. At the air quotes. <laughs> um, definitely had that vibe. I think that it was brilliant. Um, it's really nice to, especially after last episode where we, uh, when I say we, I mean mostly me, uh, talked about how I didn't think Tuscans were good, good people at all. Like there's no redeeming factors on them, and then of course this week we have redeeming factors on them. Um, you think yeah. they're watching? Is that what you're saying? They've got lizard dogs. How do you not like them? As soon as he walked up to that thing, is like, you know, they land, they get to this, you know, cave or uh, canyon, and they like stop, and then those lizard things come out, and then he calls out in Tuscan, and they just kind of like, dur, 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 and sit I'm back, and the Tuscans come out, and he starts petting them and scratches their butt. I'm like, oh, these are dogs. These are my favorites. They're pets. Ultimately, they still, you know, kidnapped and and tortured a woman. So they're not all okay. But I'm not saying that the Tuscans are okay. I'm saying the dogs are, or the lizard pups. <laughs> they literally, it literally comes bounding up to him and he pets him like behind the shoulder. It's the cutest thing. I'm like, I want one. Hmm. I, I, I do too. Yeah. But then okay. the Tuscans do come out and they, you know, have that so, speech. Um, let's, I mean, the, we got the brushing of the Bantha's teeth with the gaffy stick. That was, was very interesting. 
um, we got the smoke gourd that they're offering the water. We got to see kind of that relationship between the humans and the Tuscans was really interesting. Like you take their water, they want their own land back, you know, very much the, you know, Native Americans, of the indigenous person in the, in America. Um, right. And they, they're working together. It was kind of like the same kind of thing with like the last, last season where it was like, Oh, let's help train these villager people. And we all work together for a common goal. We're going to take down this cray dragon. Just like last season, it was like, let's take down these pirates and help train these. We're going to use your villagers and we're all going to work together for this singular goal to take down this cray dragon. Cause that's what I want your armor. So we're going to do this together. And they're all, and then you see the little scene where like the Tuscan Raider drops a thing and that village guy's like being a dick to him. Like, Hey, what are you doing? You're going to kill us all. Like, I mean, to be fair, it was explosives. So I would yell at anybody who did that, but, Right. Um, well, I, I, really, I thought that I was really... a, I thought that was a shout out to Jaws. It reminded me of the scene in Jaws where um, Richard Dreyfuss yeah. drops the tank, and that's sort of, and also that comes into play. That's the tank that kills the shark in the end. And yeah, I thought that was mm -hmm. um, as they're building the bantha up with explosives. I yeah. mean, that was my idea in the first. I was like, yeah, just feed him explosives. Um, but I do love the fact that like. So this is all happening how many years after the empire is gone? Like six years? I think it's five, right? Five or six years. Wow. Like it's it's very recent. So like everybody in the everybody in the galaxy is still like feeling the ramifications of you know being at war and like being you know separated and all of this distension and everything. And I feel like the Mandalorian is literally just going around and like healing wounds so that like people can get together and like I feel like they're joining up for like a very big payoff in the end um so, and it's like i don't want to use it as a you know I, it sounds ridiculous but like an end game reference where everybody just comes in and like starts fighting the big bad together because they've already been like like mando's helped everyone at this point by the end of the season and they're like we're gonna help mando um but i do i do like the fact that especially in the social climate that we're in that people are literally like reaching across the aisles and like trying to like be like okay I don't have to like you, but we need to work together for this and like make this better for everyone. So, so um, you mentioned the timeline. Yes. We're gonna. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit because I want to. I want to discuss that. We've never gotten a hard confirmation on timeline. Yes, We've I've heard. I've heard. I've heard five years, and I've heard nine years. Regardless, it's not that long. Well. But it's important. It's important for something. Why the fuck? And we're skipping ahead here. Look, let's yeah, talk about just, it. Okay, let's do it. Let's. We're just gonna get there. Why the fuck is Boba sitting on Tatooine for five fucking years? Just you know, with dick in his hand. He needs that's, a vacation, and that's, that's how you vacation. That, that's exactly what I was wondering when, when at the very end, when they're driving off with his armor, and you just see him standing there. Like, what has he been doing this entire time? If just now he's like, Hey, there's my armor. Like, what have you been doing this whole time? If so, have you been, are you telling me Mando goes to one planet, finds out there's a Mandalorian in this abandoned city, but then Bubba's been sitting here for five, not five or nine years and can't find his armor. Like what if maybe what he doesn't doing? want to, maybe no, he was done after being like thrown into a Sarlacc pit. Don't but, you think that after that happens, you're like, you know what? I just fuck this. I'm going to go off and like have a margarita. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, Not from I think the way that, they showed that scene that he's like yeah. ominously standing there. And especially, especially considering like how how much Boba Fett's been through in his life, the fact that this is all he knows. You know, his his father his father did it. 
he did it um you know and it's that's all he knows he is literally his father um this is definitely after the battle of jakku ryan i know that for sure yeah um yeah um but there are still you know imperial factions with star destroyers but significantly less most likely um but we just don't know i i for all we know this could only be two years after because they've said hey it's about five years after you know maybe they, he's in hiding maybe he's protecting someone by not being well out. well you maybe. think he finally went off with one of jabba's dancers and they're now just kind of <laughs> wouldn't you they survived the explosion and well it could be he's also probably a war criminal yeah because the empire is gone no he's no it's true and, and the new republic would probably probably put him on i can imagine leia organa putting him on a few lists like hey oh, let's yeah. find this asshole you know oh yeah but, they, but would they even know he was alive or not because i mean wouldn't that's they just a good question like, well that's probably with it? that's probably well, that's why, why he's he hiding so he doesn't end up on a list come out right he's probably being he'd be hunted yeah, yeah. Right. I just want to know some backstory on like what he's been doing this whole time. If he's just gonna, if this is five or nine, or if it's been that long, like what have you been doing? If you're just gonna show up now, like when all of a sudden Mando finds the armor and drives off with it, and he's just shown on this cliff, like, hey, I'm looking at you, bud. Maybe um, he's breeding banthas. Who knows? Yeah, and I see a lot of people trying to point out the rifle as being significant on his back. It's just the Tuscan rifle. He has yeah. a Tuscan it's, yeah. it's, they're like, well, it's Nick Shan's rifle, or it's it's this rifle. I'm like, it's just a fucking Tuscan rifle. Do we yeah. think for sure that that was him, like walking up on Fennec Shan? So, we... I think it's yeah. I think it's I, I do. I think it's. Really... I think it was Cobb. But you think who's Cobb? So in in um episode four, episode no episode. Six. Wait, are we talking Mando episode or like yeah. Star Wars episode? Yeah, sorry, chapter six. Okay, thank you. The gunslinger. <laughs> yes. Um, in in the gunslinger, at the end of the episode, we we see Ming Na Wen, Fennec Shan's body, with um, and we hear the Spurs. Right. We still don't know who that was, who the Spurs were. Um. I heard know. the Spurs. I heard the Spurs when he, when Boba was walking. I heard the Spurs. I, I think you can hear the Spurs. I need to go back and confirm this. I probably should have done this before I did a show on it. I think I heard the. Sh I think I heard the Spurs when Cobb first walks into the cantina, hmm. but not beyond that. Um, Interesting. I still think it's Boba. It's more. It doesn't. I'm not sure if it's Cobb Vance. I'm not sure what. Oh, I mean, if it's Cobb. Vance... No. But if it's Boba, that that sort of alludes to that maybe he's thinking about something or up to something, or maybe it's the sound of ill-fitting Mandalorian armor. Also, maybe okay. that's just the sound it makes. I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to be like funny about it. Like maybe that's just like maybe it's because it's not secure to the body. Maybe there's something that jingles that sounds like spurs. Well, well um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that matters too much. But I'm, what I want to talk about the most is what. What do we think the relationship dynamic is going to be between these two people? Is it going to be antagonistic? Are they going to like each other or not like each other? Between Bubba and Mando? Or yeah. Dan? yeah. I, I hope it is antagonistic. 
um, at least to start with, but, just because I would like to see a a no holds barred showdown between two people in Mando armor. Yeah, you know? and and especially at the skill levels that are Din and Boba, like at least the skill level Boba Fett's supposed to be at, not the skill level right. getting, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, the only way that that can happen is if it's, if the next episode starts the way that I think it's going to with uh, Boba Fett stealing the armor back from Din. And then we get that fight of both of them, like in their armor. And like, I think just seeing Boba Fett back in his armor is just going to be like a nerd gasm beyond all belief. It's just going to mm -hmm. feel so good. Um, but yeah, uh, fuck. I don't know. There's just so much going on in this episode that we can totally break down. We're not even like halfway through it. I mean, no. we're, we've we've kind of jumped forward. We've jumped a little bit. I'm I'm like, I liked the callback when like he when they're about to fight the Kray Dragon or whatever, and like Mando hits the back of the backpack and he like yeah, flies off that. just like Bobo. It was such a callback. Yeah, I I, I did love that actually. I, I'm... Someone someone's got to fix those those fucking jetpacks. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, there's not a whole lot, like, there's not a whole lot of story development as far as when it comes to the, the crate Dragon fight. I mean, it's, it's beautifully shot. It's, it's a cinematic genius. The, the, the aspect ratio changed. Did everyone catch that? Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, so as the crate Dragon is coming out of the, for those that don't know in the chat, as the crate Dragon's coming out of the cave, the aspect ratio shifts to the much bigger aspect ratio, and then it shifts back at the end of the episode. I missed it on my first go round. I only saw it on the on the way out when it shifts back to the having the black bars top bottom. Um, but I love seeing. I think my favorite. What, what was I want to hear everyone's favorite part of the, the battle? Because again, we can break the whole thing down, but there's not really much value in it. I don't think. Um, well, there, there is a huge plot beat a huge story beat in the middle of the battle that I think it's so, it's, it's so subtle. You can kind of gloss over it is that Din tells Cobb, if I don't come back, raise the child. Yeah. Well, so I want to, I want to talk about that. Actually. I don't think that's what he says. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. No, he says, he says, um, give me the detonator. And Cobb says, what are you going to do? He says, I have a plan take care of the child and then hits him. I think that's more like, Hey, I'm gonna go do something stupid. Watch the child while I'm gone. Not I'm coming back. This is a man who leaves okay. a kid in a speeder outside of a bar. He's not, con he's not, he's not concerned about its safety during this battle. Oh. He's concerned I mean, about his safety after. Yeah, there's a big battle going on compared to, I like, mean, I mean, he's concerned, but he's bar. also like, he knows that the kid is like away and like, I, I I'm I'm with you, Saul. I think that he was telling him like if this goes to like if this goes to shit, I need you to take care of the kid. That's how I my gut that's, was. That's what I thought too. And that's also very interesting. This is um, I mean let's 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 call it the this is very obvious symbolism. Din is a father. That, yeah. That Din yeah. is his father, and and this right. is he is still struggling to fully adapt to that role. I think of being selfless enough to be a father. I think in very much he's he I think he's on board because he's and, and he's doing it because I think the armor told him to. But he's still struggling with little parts of of that whole being selfless and being uh, able to live for someone because this is a this is a, he's, he's someone who grew up in 
basically a cult of outsiders. Right. And being able to live for someone and be greater than yourself by protecting someone. It, 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 it's an interesting uh, idea. that they're Another thing, them. another thing to add to that. It, it's a little bit of legends. Um, it's a little bit more legends than it is canon, but in, in Mandalorian culture, you have to let your child fend for themselves. You care about them and you teach them, but at the same time, you, you, they have to fend for themselves. They have to learn to fend for themselves. And I think very much Din leaving the child in the, you know, in the speeder bike when he goes into the cantina, I think that very much is a, is an element of that. But I, I don't think him, him telling, I don't think he intended to, you know, go out in a blaze of glory because that's not something he would do in this scenario. There wasn't a good enough reason for him to go out in a blaze of glory. He's helping this guy kill a big monster. Like, Right, That's he not, wants the armor. You don't, don't, don't going to just be like, oh, I'm going to You don't think him. there's a little bit of a death wish in Din? I think he has a little bit of a death wish. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily a death wish. I think he wants to go out. You know, he wants that warrior's death. Yeah. I think, that, I think that he doesn't want to die of old age, so he will accept a warrior's death when he has one. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think this was that. It seemed to me very much that he was like, okay, I got this. I got a plan. One of the key moments in that scene is the Bantha starts running away and the peg comes up. I think Din's original plan was leave the, you know, just get the thing's attention and then fly away before it gets there. Right. Because the peg came up, he had to grab the rope and hold on to him. He wanted to eat it and then fly off and blow. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it was a. I don't think it's necessarily a death wish thing, and and there's another big thing about this scene. It very much shows how. The, I think this this whole sequence, this whole episode, a lot of it, is showing the ways that Boba could have survived. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, yeah there, there should be no question after watching this. Yeah, yeah. because they even he, almost. Sorry. When when he comes out, he's covered in the acid. You know, like slowly di digested over a thousand years. Yeah, it's not a sarlacc; it's a crate dragon, whatever. But like, it's the same thing. Um, I don't know. It seemed to kill a bunch of people when it got spit on them when the dragon came out. But but Mandalorian um, armor. But did, that's yeah. my point. The armor held up to that. Yeah. That's that's my point. Is that the armor held up to that? Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think that was a big plot point. Also, a beautiful shot. What I was going to ask everyone was, what were your favorite shots of the the battle? Because there there's two that for me really cement it. Seeing Din and Cobb work together in perfect in in sync with the jetpacks, but him coming out of the dragon's mouth with the shock prod just electrocuting the whole inside. That's a beautiful fucking shot. That was stunning. I really loved the uh, the shot of the dragon coming out of the top of the mountain. Because at first I was like, oh my god, is it going to sprout wings? Because that would be amazing. Um, but then I realized it was a sand dragon. I was like, no, it's just that. <laughs> I was like, damn it, that would have been so cool. Um, I, but yeah, I love I love how there's with especially with the Mandalorians, there's very much aspects of like Roman soldiers of like how they you know used to take boys when they were five years old. 
from their families to train them uh Spartan. spartans yeah to train them as warriors um uh and there's very much that aspect in there there's also just like the aspect of like uh like he is a ronin he is a uh i mean he doesn't ha necessarily have a master but he has a creed that he lives by i don't think he has a death wish but i think that he he doesn't seek out death but he's okay with he's at peace with dying in battle um because that's that is the way um but i did like this this whole this whole episode is just one big love fest for jaws and i love it um it's just like even ju just even the homage to like the shark nose on the dragon and the way that it swims around and like hunts everybody it's just so beautiful like they nail every aspect of this and like getting to see you know like you said, Cobb and uh, Cobb and did just stand there and like be generals mm -hmm. in this war against this gigantic creature. Um, it just goes to show that like there are like really good human beings in this world, and it kind of gives you hope. I liked when they were both like on top and they're trying to shoot at its mm -hmm. eye, and they're both using like you could see like the details of their gun, and like you could see Cobb's gun was kind of like duct, like not duct taped. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it, was, like, it was all like duct taped around. It was just like his janky gun he was using. Yeah. But so then, yeah, Rachel, Rachel is right though. It does give you hope that the people of Tatooine will put it together and finally have that culture we all expected of them. Oh, you meant our world. Okay, I just I was confused. Hey, tomato, I tomato. Were, okay, I thought you were yeah. rooting. I mean, Tat Tatooine is a microcosm for our world, so I, I like when I liked when the I liked when the dragon showed up behind them, as if to say, "Hey, yeah. assholes, yeah. I don't just need the hole. All right, I make my own holes. Watch this." <laughs> I mean, I was a, I was a little I concerned think... because it came from the top of the mountain and then it showed up behind him, and I'm like, "Fuck, are there two? No, because um, no. <laughs> it was just like oh. it was such a far distance, and like you just. Like you would think that you would feel they would feel the rumbling of it like going underneath them to go behind them, but you know, who knows? They're not they're not Sith. There's you know, there's just the one. They don't come in pairs. Nerd Chronic Eric in the chat. Hi, Eric. Eric Rodriguez, wonderful human. I love that guy. Um, bringing up that yeah, it looks like maybe they did plan to release this because the runtime is also longer than normal. Right. This felt yeah. a lot more like a cinematic this was the most cinematic. Yeah, th th I, this is this is the largest scale episode they've ever done. This I think it felt like it, it did feel like a movie. They definitely and because the last season was so small, like you mm -hmm. know, just and uh, this yeah, this blew the doors off. Right. And there wasn't any really like lag or anything. Everything went. It was quick pacing, and you didn't feel like there was any like moments that were wasted. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think that we're going to be getting a lot of that feeling this season because season one did go so well and was met with such a claim that they were like, cool, we can go bigger and do all of the things that we want to uh, this season because it has been so well received because, you know, people are, especially with Disney, they get a little trepidatious and they don't want to in fully invest until they know it's a sure thing. Like, and so now we know it's a sure thing. And then we, you know, they, Dragon eats the bantha, gets blown up, and then they're just butchering it in the sand. Which do you guys think this will come up to any play? This nice little. Well, it, it it's it's an interesting Girl. little. It's a very interesting shot because it could just be a nice wink and nod to people who played Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, because it's a to create Dragon Pearl, 
or it could be a hugely significant plot point going into the future. That Crate Dragon Pearl, smaller ones can fuel lightsabers. So yeah. they're very potent energy sources, in case you don't know. So that could be how someone <laughs> maybe needs to build a lightsaber. They could be using Crate Dragon Pearls. Or that or the Tuscans are saying, fuck all this camping shit. Let's build a city. And this giant pearl will, will be the energy source for the whole town. Right. Yeah. And, and, well, and um, it's, it's also possible that it's also possible that um, you just need a sliver of it to fuel a lightsaber too. But yeah, that that was I thought I thought there were a lot of nice Kotor references here. Yeah. Um, so and then he, he has, uh, then he just throws that chunk of meat on the back of his speeder bike and uh, wraps it up. I think you know what I I, I think he's just gonna leave that with uh, with Amy Sedakis. Uh, or Sedaris, uh, as like payment Why? because what is she gonna feed the droids with it? Well, I mean, no, right? That's just, <laughs> she is a human being, you can freeze that shit, just cover it in that's salt, it'll be yeah, fine. He's gonna, he's gonna freeze it in carbonite, and that's gonna be dinner for a long time. Right. That, looked, that looked delicious. I you know, he's leaving that. her with some steaks, like he, he he doesn't have money, he needs to pay this woman for taking care of his shit. He's got what are you saying? He's got money, he's got mm. cash, he's wearing you know, it all. So do you guys want to? So, what do you guys think? Will any we can go around and everybody's predictions for the next episode? How do you guys think it'll open, or what do you guys think it'll happen? How do you think we'll go for the next episode? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not. I'm not. I, it could literally right because <laughs> because sometimes and to go back on what Rachel was touching on a few minutes ago, this is the expansion that I was talking about in the, in the season one recap. When Filoni tells a story, he sets it. He's he's very methodical in his setup, and then they go wide. And then season three, they'll go deep. That's and this is the expansion. This is it. Like this is basically a movie level event. I, but um, I could I could literally see Boba waiting for him in Mos Eisley, or I could see he's already on Moncala, or he's on another planet, and we'll come back to this maybe some other part in the season. I don't know. They're tricky over there. They right. fuck with you. But I think I think Favreau's directing the next one too. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Boba. It's him and Boba have a confrontation. Yeah, I I think that I think there's two ways they can go about it. They can we can have a you know quick little time jump, and they could be on a different planet or you know in hyperspace when when we pick up episode two, um, and then we don't see Boba until later in the series, um, or later in the season. Um, but I, I yeah I, I really hope it just picks up with Boba because when you start the season like this, you can't. They've raised the bar so much from season one that you can't go back now. Um, that's the thing, too, because when we start this episode, he's like, oh, I need to find Mandalorians. And he goes to that guy and then he comes and finds the Mandalorian and gets the armor. So now it's like, where would he go to, you know, move forward? So I feel like we would kind of have to like not have to, obviously, but like Bubba would come in because where else would he know to go next? He started right. that planet, then got the information, went there, and then that kind of went to a dead end because it wasn't even a Mandalorian. He just got the armor. Yeah, he, I, he doesn't have a thread to follow. See, right. I I think that he's not gonna have to keep looking for for Boba. I think that they're gonna. I think it's gonna start up right when they get back to the bar, and Boba's gonna be like sitting in a corner, like, like just like, uh, oh my god, my brain just farted. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, he's gonna be sitting in the back corner of the bar, just like super quiet, 
And then the next thing you know, Mando's or Din's going to go out to the speeder bike to leave as he's saying his goodbyes to Cobb and the armor is going to be gone and he's going to have to find him and track him down. And that's how they meet. And it's going to be combative at first because that has to be a thing. That's, that's always been a thing um, in this world where, you know, the young pup is, you know, testing his teeth out with the old dog and that's fine. And it's fun. It's a good dynamic. I like it. Um, and I think that that's where it's going to start up. Well, they both have things that each other want. Well, yeah, on, on the surface, he and I don't just mean the armor. Um, well, I don't think I also don't think Din would leave the armor or lying around. <laughs> it's not. He it's left not, the kid, and the kid's well, no, got well, fucking well, the force the powers. Can, the kid can fend for itself. The armor. The armor is much more important. You know right. he's gonna leave the kid with the armor. Like that's just his mo. Well, they're they, gonna like, and I'm talking like they're gonna just gonna get, like they're literally as they're speeding off from from the Sarlacc pit where they just killed the dragon. Um, it's them getting right back. Like, and they're just going to be like, great. I'm just going to stock up on a few things and put them on my bike and I'm going to be out. Well, I, I would think that because again, Din is still adapting to becoming a father. This is a role that was thrust upon him. And Boba Fett has some interesting perspective on, on what his father meant to him. That could be an interesting thing to explore. And, Din is a Mandalorian, and Boba is not a Mandalorian. Well, he is or he isn't, right? Yeah. So maybe he could show him something about that. That those those could be two things they could uh, would oh, want from each other. This is two. These are two sets of wisdom they would probably want from each other. Oh, we're definitely getting that conversation while they're like sitting in, in like as they're flying off to go find more Mandalorian together. It's like be, it's going to be in a sauna, Rachel. They're going to do it. In <laughs> The Twilight Bass. I, How I is going to take a sauna like, in the fucking armor? It's just going to be like, you know, and like, there's, I mean, I'm okay I, I with see that. it more like the diner scene from Heat, where they sit down, they size <laughs> each other up. It's like, you can't take armors. You're going to try to stop me. And it's, it's going to be a great scene. I can't wait. Um, I, I think, Saul, you bring up an interesting point on the different ways of, you know, the different points of view. Um, I think that a, something we're going to see this season, and I think this episode was a big start for that. I think we're going to see Din getting different perspectives on what it means to be a Mandalorian. Yes. Because sure. Cobb Vant fights like a Mandalorian, and the dude acts with more honor than anyone in all of season one. Right. I, the dude was straight up like, this guy wants my armor. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to I'm going to give him a request first, but I'm going to give him my armor. You know, um, what well, well, first he says, you know, well, you're going to have to kill me for. Yeah, me. but yeah. but over the you know, over the course of the episode, you see that no, he's he the only reason he wants the armor is to protect, you know, is to protect people. He doesn't want the armor for vanity or for right, yeah, personal right, got it. Right. Yeah, um and it's kind of a, it's kind of that whole Spider-Man, you know, that Spider-Man conundrum. Without the suit, what are you? You know, right. and Cobb Vanth is still Cobb Vanth without the suit. You know what I just realized is not once did Cobb ever ask any questions about the kid. No, he never, he never acknowledged it. He yes, never he addressed it. He never asked him questions. Yes. No, he did. Every other what did he? He acknowledged when, it. when he yeah. when he first yeah. when he first sits down, he goes, I thought, you know, I kind of assumed one oh, of yeah. the, only one of us yeah. was walking out of here. But yeah, then he's I saw like, the kid. Do this. He's like, he's gonna do this in front of the kid. 
Yeah. Everybody like, else has like a thousand questions about who, where, what, why, and how. Like, right. And the only one that has literally come in contact with it that hasn't been like, where have you got that? Like, what is it? What the, I find yeah, that what the fuck is that weird green thing? Yeah. Right. Can I play with it? Yeah. Like nothing. There was literally that was the only acknowledgement of like you're gonna do this in front of the kid. So like, does he know what they are? Has he well, seen he also, one? He also makes a judgment of the Mandalorian based on the kid. Based on the kid. Yeah. He said, "I thought you'd kill me, but I see the kid, and I'm starting to think maybe I didn't read you right." Right. So, and then he brings up the kid again, and look, he uh, he hates kids. So it's one of the many reasons why we like Cobb so much. He would have such beautiful exactly, and that scene was just like a direct like justified scene. <laughs> like he's sitting down there in like the chair, like I'm gonna shoot you. Um, <laughs> swing. <laughs> Sorry, did I break you, Sully? No, Saul did. Okay. He he kids. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that that's where we're going with this season. We're going to see, because he's got a, you know, they're a clan of two. They can add to the clan. And I think that, I think that Din is definitely going to see, you know, we talked in the, in the last episode of this, we talked about the differences in Mandalorian culture between Clone Wars and now. I think this comes back to that in, you know, what it, being a Mandalorian isn't ju just about being a warrior. You know, you look right, at right. you look at Fen Rao and the Mandalorian protectors. Like they are there to protect. Like the the protect the protector's name is not a you know just a, a word of choice. They are protecting something. You know, right. and um, yeah, yeah, and like yeah, so be like all the Mandalorians we've seen throughout Le Rebels and the Clone Wars, whether or not they're on the on the right side or the wrong side of history, like. They all stood for something. Din kind of doesn't stand for anything. Right. Like doesn't he? Like he abides by the Mandalorian ways. Like but, but what but, does it stand for? They just go, This is the way. There's not really like, like a he doesn't stand for driving. anything outside of that. Right? right. Like like Fenrao and Sabine and Satine not Satine, uh Bo Katan and and um uh Pre Vizsla. They all stood for something. They all had a cause they believed in beyond the Mandalorian code. Huh. Din doesn't have that. Are they all dead? No. That we don't know. No. Well, I, I think what the Star Wars prequels did, and which I think it's kind of uh, doesn't get enough credit for, is you examine. So there was an inherent flaw in the Jedi Order. And it was their arrogance, and it was their they they, they kind of and they and they their arrogance led to an a, a, a sort of a detachment, and that was a flaw that was exposed and destroyed them, and and what I think this I think we're going to get for this entire series like in a, a large meta way, is we're probably going to get an exploration on what is the flaw of Mandalorian culture, where are they, where are they where are their, where's their blind spot because they like the Jedi Order seems to be gone, so. And I don't think we're telling the story if they don't, uh, Filoni and Favreau don't have an idea of why, what was the, what was their fault? Where did they go wrong? And I think uh, part of that might be what Rachel's talking about. I think, or what, what's being discussed right now is, is, I think there is a big fault in living your life this way. And I think that we're going to have that unpacked slowly this season. Well, the Mandalorian 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Mandalorian culture swing from one extreme to the other, like, incredibly quickly? During the Clone like, War, yeah. Yeah. That's, Darth- that's, that's not how you reform. Like, it's not going from one extreme to the other. It's finding that middle ground. It's like when you literally swing a pendulum and it goes back, only when it rests in the middle is that pure peace. Yeah, because um, there's the takeover, because Darth Maul took over and was like, we're going to do these th- this way. <laughs> We're not gonna go. Well, we're not gonna get into a great Jedi conversation, are we? Because I don't. I don't have the bandwidth for that right now. Not this episode. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait until there's something more relevant to link. That until to. the you know one might show up. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to like speculate, but I I do I do believe that like the Mandalorians, there are Jedi that are ex- that do that are in existence, but are just hiding because. Everybody thinks that the Mandalorians well, are gone, and yet well, they're, they're still like, of them. They're absolutely gone because because it, it, you know he tells Amy Sedaris, "God, I need to learn her fucking character name." Um, he <laughs> I wrote it down, and I can't remember. Yeah, uh, Pelly, he tells Amy Sedaris, "Pelly." Yeah. He tells Pelly, um, "I need to find the Mandalorian who lives on planet, and hopefully he can lead me to the network of culverts." Yeah. So like. The, the culverts exist, right? But the Mandalorians as a unified nation state do not exist anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm not referring to Mandalorian as like that state. I'm referring to them like as the individual. The individuals do exist. That's what I'm saying. Them. Like yeah. I, that there are people who are Mandalorians who exist and like abide by those rules and the laws and the culture, but underground. And I think that the same abides or the same applies to Jedi. I think that there are people who are force sensitive, who have, you know, had stories or their parents or whatever. Somebody has found them and like kind of taught them underground. uh, Well, that's what it is. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's the dichotomy of, of star Wars too. One can't exist without the other. You have, they, everything comes in pairs. So if the Mandalorians are in existence, then the Jedi should be in existence, right? No. <laughs> Shut up. Not, not you could have um, you could have um, Sean. You could have the other. Nope. Yeah. Uh, so, to an extent, yes. Um, that's a whole other can of worms that I would love to discuss, but we don't have uh, we don't have time. That's next episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, the what it mean what it means to be a Jedi and. You know, they're force sensitive, yes. Jedi, no. Um, we are led to believe that the only Jedi's alive are, at this point in time, Luke. would be Luke, Luke Leia. And Leia. Well, Leia's and in training now, right? Uh, about six years out. If it, if it is six years out, she would be just about finishing training. Yeah. Um, just about to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, Leia, um, Ezra, Ashoka. Maybe Cal Kestis. So like a handful. Yeah. Did well, did you guys catch yeah, it? I thought it was interesting the Amy her character when when she was like, Oh, what happened to the baby? And then she was like, Oh, bless the force or whatever. Did you mm-hmm. catch that? Yeah. I yeah. Thought it was interesting because yeah. I didn't think like everybody knew about the force, and this is just some lady who has a junk with robots and she just drops like a force. I mean, she's and- clearly a hippie. She's right. lived a life. She's been everywhere. Yeah. She's hitched her thumb out. She's gotten yeah. on some 
some cruisers and gone off to see places. Also, she lives on Tatooine where shit goes down all the time and you hear talk. So like, yeah. Because, I mean, he doesn't know anything about that. So I was just wondering, like, how come he wasn't like, what do you mean? Bless the force. Like, well, what? Like, he, I was think home, he was homeschooled. He's a very sheltered person. <laughs> right. There's a lot of social things he's not integrated with that other people know that he doesn't. Right. I also, I also think people know about the force. I just don't know whether or not they know about the Jedi as a whole. You know, it's like, you know, if there was a whole order of Knights Templar that went around turning water into wine, we might not know about it, but we know that, you know, that religion exists. Um, but yeah, I also think that there's something to be said about that's kind of a gray area in Star Wars is how much should people know about the Force or Jedi and it, you know, depending on the writer, it shifts. But also in real life, you like, you know, you go to different places. I mean, in my, in, in my travels, you know, you go to different places, you meet different people and you expect their knowledge to be a certain way. And then all of a sudden they drop something and you're like, wait, how the fuck do you know about mm -hmm. that? And they're like, ah, it's, it's fucking internet. It's fine. Cause that's um, like Ryan brings up Bubba could bring up a lot of fill in those gaps for a lot of, Din's, you know, missing knowledge about like Jedi and all those kind of things because Boba Fett's seen all of that. Yeah. Under, this is under the assumption that they're going to like each other. Wait, Ron. Right. Ron, are you really asking? Oh, okay. Never mind. You got the <laughs> <one>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yes, it's Tusk. I'm like, um, it's Halloween, so we're acknowledging Tusk. <laughs> What's he saying? I can't see. I don't know how oh, you guys see the chat. He, I can't see. Oh, the um, he, he says, "Is that a walrus skull behind you on the wall?" <laughs> let's, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment to teach Saul how to use uh, Streamyards. Um, on the right hand side of your screen, yeah. <laughs> see where it says "Private Chat," and then next to that it says "Comments." No, it doesn't say that. Are you on your phone? <laughs> no, I'm, I, I see a picture of me, and then it tells me that I'm on the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Wrapped up here for this episode. We can go around. We'll go around the room, and everybody can tell the audience where you guys can find everybody on social media. Rachel, if you want to start. I don't. Sure. I don't see that. Sure. I don't need to see these. I don't need to see these layabouts. Anyway. Well, we'll we'll do a we'll do a whole tutorial uh, after we're off. Um. So, uh, sorry guys. Uh, quick reminder: Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, also, uh, remember to set your clocks back an hour to, uh, at like 2 a.m. tonight because um, it is daylight savings time. Um, you can find me uh, every Thursday on my channel on YouTube uh, doing music, movies, and mayhem. This week I have shit, I can't see. Um, this guy. I got this guy. Wait, wait, did you disappear? Sully. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm trying. Sully is on my show this week, and Sully I am so. I'm so excited. Uh, it's going to start at what? What did we say? Seven? Seven o'clock? That sounds about right. We, um, may, yeah. we may be late. We may be early. Yeah, it'll seven-ish. Seven, seven fifteen. Drinking. There will be drinking. Uh, might might even be in person, but doubtful. Um, but yeah, so uh, every Thursday night, uh, you can find me uh, on my channel. Uh, I'm also here every Saturday. Um there's a whole bunch of other places. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at rmsilvestrini, which is listed below. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. Be safe tonight, guys. Oh, and please fucking vote. That's right. Go please. vote. What, what about you, Sean? Where can... Um, you can find me at Sully on Twitter. You can find me at Sean Sully on Twitch. 
you can find me on Rachel's show on Thursday. I have like a very busy week. So to d after this, right after this, I'm going on the PJ Campbell network to talk about more Mandalorian. Um, Traitor. Tomorrow <laughs> I'm doing something. Monday, I think I'm doing something. Tuesday, I think we're doing something. So pay attention to your Twitter. Yeah, watch my Twitter. I'm on something like every day for the next three weeks. I would like a nap. Well, with a pitch like that, I mean, how could we turn that down? I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, something. What about you, know, Saul? Six months ago, I didn't do any of this whole like show thing. I did the Schmodown a couple times and. Six days ago, I didn't do this show thing. Um, <laughs> and then I got emotionally blackmailed into doing it. Um, You're welcome. Just go and, you know, go go watch Thunderball tonight and enjoy. You're welcome. Um, or you can also follow me at SchmodownSaul at Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next Saturday, same time, same place. Uh, you know, join the Gucciverse, and we'll see you guys around for the next episode season two episode two so we can dive right in we'll see you guys around everything's in the description below if you want to see us and follow us um at the chris hall on twitter and i'll be around the gucci verse producing around the shows and we'll see you around the world everybody <laughs> happy halloween everyone <laughs>